Welcome to the Word Podcast. The Lord God has given us His Word. Let us learn it. Let us live it. Let us rejoice in it. Spread the Word. Blessings, everybody. This is Dale. Thank you for joining with me today. We continue going through Titus. Uh, chapter 2 is where we're at right now. Let's see if we can bring this all together today. And remember what we've seen so far. At the very beginning, Paul was writing to Titus. The Holy Spirit is speaking to us, saying that we are to speak the things that are fitting for sound doctrine. And then he told older men what to do, older women what to do, uh, younger women what to do, and young men what to do. And the young men was the last episode, and we saw with them that they're to be sensible. And in all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds, uh, with purity and doctrine, uh, dignified, sound in speech, which is beyond reproach, so that the opponent may be put to shame, having nothing bad to say about us. Now we have one more group that he's going to speak to, and then he's going to bring this all together. In verse 9, he says, Urge bond slaves, King James says servants, urge bond slaves to be subject to their own masters in everything. And people say, well, that doesn't really apply to us because we're really not in slavery anymore. <laughs> I'm not going to get into that argument. But I tell you what, if you look historically, if you look at the basics and the foundations of what it means to be in slavery, et cetera, et cetera, uh, we are in more slavery than even those who are considered to be slaves. I mean, seriously, there, we are uh, really enslaved with a lot of things. A lot of times people will say, well, this is speaking to those who uh, have uh, bosses, who have employ, uh, employers. And, you know, you can, you can see that in that sense, yeah, particularly when you see what he's saying to them. So those of you who are in bond slaves, be subject to their own masters in everything. To be well-pleasing, not argumentative. So that's what he says in verse 9. Be well-pleasing to those that you are serving. And don't be argumentative with them. Verse 10 says, not pilfering or purloining. That's a great word, isn't it? Uh, not sneaking stuff out. Yes, that means don't take the pencils and the paper clips away from the office, okay? Not pilfering, but showing all good faith so that they will adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in every respect. Uh, the English version says, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine. The idea being that with good fidelity is what the King James says, that the doctrine of the Savior will be seen in all these things. The people will notice. They will watch. You cannot be a true believer and reserve unto yourself a little area where you're going to pilfer things or where you're going to do things that are not pleasing. You can't profess to be a believer and be totally, absolutely argumentative all the time. Now, listen to verse 11. He's going to bring this all together. For, in other words, in light of everything he said in this chapter to all these groups, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, verse 12, instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires, worldly lust, ideas that we're going to renounce this ungodliness. We're going to renounce these worldly passions. And then he tells us, and to live sensibly, there's that word soberly again. It's also translated as self-controlled. Live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, in this present world. So what he's saying is that God has saved us. He's brought salvation to us. And he's telling us to live 
in a godly way, not in ungodliness and not according to worldly desires. Live sensibly, live righteously, live in a godly way in this present age. Then verse 13, while we're living this way, while we're doing these things, we're keeping our eyes and attention upon something. And 13 tells us what it is. Looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. This is one of those verses that ties together very tightly that the Lord Jesus is God. The Lord Jesus is Savior, and as Savior, He is God. Because it says the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus. Now, there's also the thing that... Uh, in the end times, when you see all the stuff that's going to be happening with that, you see that even the people on the earth can see God the Father in heaven. There's a time when they'll be able to see him. And they'll actually try to hide under the rocks and in the mountains because of that. What we're being told here in Titus is what Paul also told the church at Thessalonica in both letters and in just about every chapter of those letters. Uh, he mentions something about the blessed hope. He mentions something about the coming of the Lord, about the day of the Lord. We're to keep our focus and our attention and, and looking for that blessed hope, the blessed hope of our salvation. We are saved. We have been saved. We're being saved. We will be saved. So again, verse 13, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Christ Jesus, verse 14, who gave himself for us to redeem us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possessions, zealous for good deeds. So we're seeing how we are able to live this way, not in the flesh, but it's because the Lord gave himself up for us. He redeemed us, and he's actually redeemed us from every lawless deed. We do not have to do the lawless deeds because of how we are in the flesh anymore. The Lord empowers us to be able to put the flesh to death. Okay, we can live in what he says next. He says he's redeemed us from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession. The Lord is the one who possesses us. The Lord is the one who purifies us. And we will walk in that purity. We'll walk in that holiness, zealous for good works, for those good deeds. Not doing the good deeds to attain righteousness, but because of righteousness and holiness, that the Lord has granted to us will be able to do these zealous works. Now, one last verse closes out the second chapter of Titus, verse 15. These things speak and exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. Uh, the King James says, let no one despise you. And the idea behind that is don't let anybody depreciate you. Don't let anybody ignore you. Don't let anybody look down on you. You can't control what people think about you, okay? But don't let that distract you. If they're trying to get all snooty-nosed with them, you don't let that happen. Let nobody disregard you. Why is that? Because he had the truth. We have the truth. We are told boldly to speak these things and exhort and reprove with all authority. It's not my own personal authority, right? It's the authority of the Most High God. It's the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ by which we can speak, exhort, and reprove. And so you see that he starts off at the very beginning of this chapter talking about how he wanted us to speak to things that are fitting for sound doctrine. He tells us relationally how to do that, how to live together with older men, older women, 
younger women, younger men, with servants, and how we're empowered to do that because of the grace of the Lord and what He has done for us, and that we need to be looking for His return, but in the meantime, to speak these things. So speak them, folks, exhort them, and reprove with all authority. Realize you're doing it with the authority of the Most High God. If we were to do that, oh, how might the Lord move? How might he not only turn our lives upside down and continue to change us and transform us, but what might he do within our communities? Again, I'm Dale. I'll see you again next time. Goodbye.